0: Welcome to The Last Thing I Saw. I'm your host, Nicholas Rapold. Jane Campion's new film, The Power of the Dog, first shapes up as a kind of Western family feud in the making. Two brothers, Phil and George Burbank, run things together peaceably on their Montana ranch. Phil, played by Benedict Cumberbatch, is a tough alpha male, and George, played by Jesse Plemons, more of a strong silent type. George gets married and brings home his wife, Rose, played by Kirsten Dunst, and her son. And that's the point when Phil gets all bent out of shape, and it becomes apparent that he's keeping something secret, which the film slowly but surely unravels. Campion shot the story in New Zealand, working for the first time on a feature with her cinematographer, Ari Wegner, whose previous films include Zola and Lady Macbeth. I spoke with them together to learn about their collaborative process, and how they get into the state of mind for creating this breathtaking film in pre-production, or pre, as Campion says. The two talked about a couple of key images and intimate scenes in the film's emotional matrix, the power of handheld photography, and the challenges of shooting with a pandemic break in action. As you'll hear, it's sometimes just a pleasure to bask in the flow between Campion and Wegner, who sometimes completed each other's thoughts. The Power of the Dog opens in limited release on November 17th and is available on Netflix starting December 1st. I'm very lucky to be talking about The Power of the Dog today. With me are the director, Jane Campion, and the director of photography, Ari Wegner. Welcome, Jane and Ari. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Before we start, I just wanted to mention, since we'll be talking about collaboration, uh, Jane, I just caught two friends. It's it's because it's on the Criterion channel right now. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, it's just such a wonderful story of friendship. I love that script. I was so shocked. The ABC should give me such a
1: great story.
0: Just to start off, Jane, how did you connect with Ari Wegner for this? Uh, had you seen particular films that she had shot? What was it about uh, what you had seen?
1: Well, my friend and ex-assistant, Paola Morabito, the most connected girl in the world, <laughs> yeah. um, told me about Ari and how much she loved her, and they were doing an ad together and Area in New Zealand where I live. Um, and I had, um, I don't know, pizza or something together yeah. with you. And um, then I became curious as to, you know, why Paula thought is so amazing. <laughs> um, and I started watching the shorts uh, that she'd shot, which were so elegant and beautiful. I was like blown away. So when I had an ad to do, I thought, oh, let me work with Ari. And we did on the Say and Z thing, right? Mm. You didn't have as much time as you'd like to organise it, but at least it was a Yeah you know, an Icebreaker. Yeah. Icebreaker. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It was a nice test to know if we would have any kind of compatibility working together. Yeah. You know, chemistry or something. Yeah. I mean
1: when this project came up, um, I you know, I sort of realised, Oh my god, okay, here I am, we're gonna I'm gonna start working with male protagonists, like three of them actually. Um that's Kind of shocked because they've really always favored working on women's stories i guess just because of the the lack of equality you know and the the dearth of female directors but actually things have improved and maybe that's what let my psyche you know mm. go but then i still thought like i'd really love some more women collaborators you know on this project and I, I remembered ari and thought i'd like to work with her and especially like to work with her if she's prepared to like carry a lot of the load <laughs> and I don't, you know, I don't want to be storyboarding all on my own and we want to plan it together with someone like share it. Mm-hmm. I, I really got a taste for collaboration on, you know, the TV series mm. and, and how powerful and fun it is. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um,
2: yeah. I mean, um, I didn't need uh, someone to tell me about your work. Obviously I was already, uh, you know, I've discovered your work in i don't know if i've ever told you this but in um oh, no high school <laughs> in in uh in high school your shorts actually like um, passionless moments was really like big i don't know i would really only just discovered cinema at all as a yeah medium, more than just a thing you do on the weekend watch a movie but that actually there's a behind what you're watching a someone making these decisions mm. and that was maybe something about it being a short also somehow felt uh achievable or I don't know I was really struck by the kind of humor and the discipline something together and the form and yeah that was my first introduction
0: and Ari do you remember how uh Jane kind of laid out the story of the power of the dog for you
2: mm, I remember um Jane Jane called me and said that she'd read a, that she had a book uh, a novel that she'd discovered or read that fell and fell in love with and that she wanted to she was in the middle of or almost done with the first draft of a something screenplay that would be ready to to show and I can't remember how you described it at first but you you talked about it I could sense the excitement and the I think the first thing you said was about the the way the story the plot and the characters continue to reveal themselves in kind of in parallel and the and, and kind of intertwined um, and that already was a. Super yeah, so it's, it's sort
1: of the form and content uh, quality of the story, which so impresses me. You know, when the form and content work so well together, um, it's it's such an empowerment for a, mm. for a story, and it's rare to get. Yeah, but really, yeah, yeah I was really grateful that she said yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, we're yeah, we're all very fortunate for that.
1: Well, there was a caveat on it too that she yes. would give me the time and pre, you know, to yes. really make a long pre together and really, really give ourselves the opportunity to, I don't know, to really investigate what's best for this story in, in as much as we knew how to do it photographically. We had big mm. ambitions, like yeah. even getting taught by other cinematographers we like,
2: you know, that we should say,
1: oh, well, let's get so-and-so to come and teach us how yeah, to we move have... with the camera, and, you know.
2: <laughs> really get. Yeah, so that's, I guess, interesting to think about the, the number of kind of I don't know, chapters or developments from your very, very first ideas to yeah. where it ends up being if you don't have the time then you really should, you can end up kind of shooting your first draft idea mm. from the screenplay yeah, but your first draft, your first round of And you don't ideas. really
1: develop strengths. I mean I think one of the great fun things um, when you've got a new project is saying, well, what strengths do I need to actually develop to mm. do this well that I don't actually have, you know, now, and, you know, because generally speaking, you don't have that time so it was really fun to sort of talk about how we needed to change ourselves you know
2: yeah what we needed to yeah. improve on or learn or kind yeah. of become experts at before we had to tell mm-hmm. other people what we wanted <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. What were, what were you envisioning in terms of the visual style of the of film? Just, I mean, how did that evolve? It sounds like maybe you had kind of initial ideas of, of how you wanted to put this story to images. And, or was there a particular image that kind of came to mind looking at the book?
1: Yeah, I think there was both the intimacy feeling that we wanted along with the scope of the, the enormity of the place, you know, that felt like it would echo into the emotion and the, um, the themes of the piece mm. that we want to explore it on a granular level and also in a very big scope. But it's it's a really funny and hard thing to describe because it's like you're marinating yourself and all the things you love and mm. talking together, but nothing seems to quite work. You know, I never felt like we really, oh, we, we've nailed this. We know exactly yeah. what we're doing. It felt like we were still exploring when we started shooting, you know, to be honest, don't you think?
2: 100%, yeah. Like
1: I was remembering saying like, what the fuck are we going to do on the first time? <laughs> how are we going you know, to actually shoot this? So I was talking to the first assistant, who I know very well. Yeah. He said, Jane? We're going to do it the way it's always been done. We're going to put some things in front of the camera and we're going to shoot it. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> oh, yeah, okay, right, 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 right. I remember now. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get there and suddenly the things get in front of the camera mm. and something inside you takes off.
2: Mm. You can start.
1: You just... start to riff on it and to, you know, improvise and play and love things and hate things and...
2: To see what feels good and what feels not
0: good and you know that
1: all the conversations that we had all the watching of films all the drawing of images Mm. has been some sort of marinating experience that is going to rub off but there's not in a one-to-one way
2: Mm. the preparation the store the process of storyboarding is kind of almost as important as the actual boards themselves because we've been on it the conversations yeah, and the You're even... doing the
1: work of imagining
2: yeah. again mm. and again and again so that you get good at it and mm. you can act in
1: the moment, don't you think something like that? And that we understand each other because we've had, yeah. you know, hours of sitting next to each other yeah, trying yeah, to figure yeah. out the unfigurable. Yeah. <laughs> and often we get really upset when we went out to location <laughs> because it wasn't like our imagination. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was well, blowing yeah. a freaking gale and we could barely stand yeah. up and we go like How shoot.
2: All <laughs> oh, our little cute little drawings don't mean anything. When <laughs> Can you just
1: hold so, up that piece of paper again? It's <laughs> <laughs>
2: daunting.
0: Man. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it seems like an especially challenging story because, I mean, there's so much holding back in the story, you know, there's so much yes, like repression in it. How does it affect how you shoot that kind of, not just Phil, but also George is, you know, pretty buttoned up and internal and uh, obviously, Rose is hiding something. So, I mean, how does it affect? Like
1: when everybody's hiding something, what do you shoot? <laughs> yeah, no one's actually doing it.
0: Yeah.
2: I mean, that, it's,
0: it's, yeah.
1: it's, it is um, it's difficult. And-
2: I mean, when, when no one is talking about the thing that, you know, the thing on their mind, then it, one thing to be said is it does inherently become visual. Like, the, You have to find a kind of either physical manifestation or a visual manifestation to show Something I don't know, maybe, and 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 we're coming
1: to the saddle then because the saddle's not in the story, and it was like a way of um, bringing Bronco Henry essentially, and um, you know, an image for him, like the shrine in the in the barn that um, Phil gets his saddle from, and it's got his it's got his name there and um, the plaque, which. Mm I created in the script in order to have something to to see, you know, along with the scarf. Mm. That's not in the script either, but I was just thinking, well, how the hell are we going to, you know, sense um, Bronco Henry, who is, I think, a beautiful ghostly presence Mm. over the whole of Phil's life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it also has a way of making these cutaways that you have here Mm. and there, especially sensual. You know, there's a moment, I think it's when, Phil and Peter are out on the trail where there's a cutaway to blood on a, on tall grass mm. and it's so charged.
1: Yeah. That's when has cut his hand, mm. you know, on, um, on the logs. As, yeah. as They were, you know, like hunting that bunny down. Yeah, I love that scene. I love that scene from the book so much because mm. it's almost like the whole of the, it's the key to the whole of the story, you know, is right there when mm. um, Peter disposes of a rabbit in such a functional manner, you know?
2: Yeah. And then also that, like that calling of the, the bluff is like a scared kind of rabbit and is he going to flinch? Is he going to hold out or and, is he going to run and he's still going to end up kind yeah. of injured?
1: And, then, you know, and, and Phil says to Peter, oh, he's a brave little, you know, gutsy little fellow. Yeah. And Pete says, well, I guess he has to be, you know, and you just, it's all there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, he's sort of hidden but there, you know. That's my favourite scene for that. Yeah. Sort of, as you say, you know, like um, the mystery feeling and, you know, I'm a real blurter, Nick. Like, <laughs> I find it really hard to keep a secret—not oh, my friend's secrets, but my own. <laughs> you know, like I just recently, I bought some presents for a baby, and as soon as the dad turned up, <laughs> I guess what I got for the baby. You know? And my partner said to me, "Why did you tell him? You know, haven't you got any idea like how you do presents? <laughs> <laughs> let them discover it, you know?"
2: Yeah, and yeah. I went, "I
1: don't know what—it's for the baby. <laughs> the baby can discover it." <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I sort of realized, yeah, blur. Yeah. And and so to me try and hold a mystery. It's mm. like I like guess the opposite. I have it's completely the opposite instincts. Yeah. Nothing. I mean you, you're a secret keeper than me, maybe. <laughs> no, I don't mean, know. No. Yeah. I... Yeah, you are a bit better. <laughs> <laughs> You're a bit better, although we learn pretty much everything yeah. about each other. There's yeah. <laughs> not much. We um, have, I mean, like, when you're out in the country in a really remote place and, you know, Tanya's there as well and, you know, we're having dinner by a Fireside mm. and we're saying, like, well, what? why do you really want to do cinema, you know? Yeah, it gets pretty we're, big pretty quick. We all <laughs> talk to each other, really asking, we're acting out scenes to see why things yeah. aren't working. And, you know, I just remember mm. Tanya, like she said, <laughs> why do you want to, you? Why Why you really believe in it this way? And she said, because of the enormity. <laughs> wow. And, like, I was watching, but I loved it too, yeah.
2: you know? Yeah, it's a very it's vulnerable kind of moment out yeah. there.
0: Yeah. I mean, th- there's something about the landscape. There, You know, you're just confronted with yourself because it's so vast. And, I mean, that's another thing that's great in the movies, the feeling of the isolation in this landscape.
1: Mm, yes. It's like a you know, raft in the ocean, really.
0: Yeah. And, and you know, I think of, you know, movies that are set in the American West. Uh, I mean, this is, I guess, more the north part of the country, but it's so often about the majesty. But what you don't always get is how lonely it is. You know, yeah. did you kind of want to avoid making anything look as beautiful uh, or as imposing as Monument Valley or something like that, you know?
1: I'm sure if we had Monument Valley, mm. we would have fallen for it, <laughs> just like everybody else. But we had, you know, more subtle landscape, I think. You mm. know, I fell in love with the muscularity of the hills, the Hawkton Range. Mm. Mm. And in a way, I started to feel like it was uh, very important for, you know, our themes of masculinity. You know, like just mm. seeing the way those, you know, well, the, the hills look like muscles to me.
2: Yeah, they do. There's, there's a real sensuality to it as well. We had that
1: shot. We were panning across them slowly. You know, I love that it's so much. I can't really tell you why. Yeah, yeah. It was a mm. body. Yeah, yeah it's <laughs> it like was, shooting it was a, a man's body. Body,
2: you know, a little bit gnarled and yeah, and imperfect and beautiful and yeah, yeah. The isolation is interesting To me. I try and put myself in the mind of the viewer a little bit. Maybe it's a bit too you know, analytical, but to to. I guess as a filmmaker, you're taking people on a kind of journey, a very a journey you're hoping to kind of take them on without them feeling like they've been taken on that journey or not realising it. And for me, I like to think that by the time we meet Rose or she gets to the house, that isolation has already been kind of shown and proven that you or you know it very clearly that she gets to this place. It's, I don't know, she's, she's really up against it. It's,
1: it's very handy having... Well, it wasn't handy having mm-hmm. roses. The story, yes, that um, the story really describes her isolation mm. Mm. so much, uh, because that's not her natural place. She's got, you know, nothing she can do there. Really, even the kitchens are really, you know, handled Taken by Mrs of. Lewis and Lola. They don't really want her in there.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, but the guys, I think, well, especially Phil, that this is a landscape that thrills him. Mm. Um, that loneliness is part of his poetic essence. Mm. I mean, I think George might prefer to be in town.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, He has the car.
1: Bronco and Phil can't get themselves far enough into those hills, you know. (laughs) It's
0: true, actually, yeah. Yeah.
1: Always thinking about eating elk liver and stuff.
2: (laughs) Tasty. (laughs)
1: Yeah.
2: (laughs) It's a big part of his identity, I guess. Loneliness, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, the the beauty of loneliness and, and the... Secrecy of loneliness, you know all the secrecy all the when you're alone. You know, like the best things happen when you're alone, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, it's you know, you're talking about the the sense of the landscape as like a body. I'm, I'm. I'm also just wondering if you could talk about uh, shooting the actors and, mm, sure. you know, like Benedict Cumberbatch. What was the thinking of how to shoot his char- character? Because he's he's putting on a performance in a way the whole mm. time.
1: Well, his performance is obviously you know ha- where he's hiding and that kind of the masculinity, which I, I think he, you know, it comes to be him mm. that performance, and you and he only really drops it when he's in the sacred place, right. Mm. Or by himself in his bed or with his you know banjo or whatever a few moments when he's feeling really relaxed and we just felt that um it really worked when we came in close with Mm, without really analyzing it um it wasn't really something we intended to do but the handheld work tight with ben Mm. um, yeah really access to parts of phil that we couldn't get any other way
2: yeah, we'd, we'd originally only planned to do that in, in what we call like the sacred place in that kind of uh, willow glade where he has the scarf and his pri- private kind of moments, the to go handheld. And then we we saw, having shot that first, we saw kind of what that gave or what that allowed. We were you to excited do. by it, but really, we,
1: yeah. we, we felt like we needed to, it, w- it would be powerful to do it more mm. when really ever he's alone,
2: you know? Yeah, unguarded kind of unguarded type of feeling but it's mm. yeah, yeah it's a very responsive way to shoot we can really um i mean also ari somehow
1: uh, yeah ari i don't know you connected in there in a way i wasn't expecting mm. um like you lost your brain and you just yeah. became him or something
2: well i mean a weirdly and felt lost your brain in a good way yeah <laughs> <laughs> i mean benedict was a very big i would say benedict it was really phil it was a very big presence on set In a slightly
1: scary way. Yeah,
2: but in a way when I'm, I mean when I'm when I'm shooting handheld, for me it's about as present as you can get. And it was one of the times I don't feel I felt a bit more at, it was very like airy fairy, but I felt a lot more at one with him. I didn't feel the especially true kind of intimidation. It was
1: it was real. You were him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm. You know, I think that was really
2: you know, special. Mm-hmm.
0: I think I read somewhere that the scenes in The Sacred Place, that that was just like a very small group shooting that, right? Or Just
2: yeah. really me and you. Yeah, the three of us. Um... Mm-hmm. If I was doing anything, I was just there. <laughs> you were definitely <laughs> going <on. again>. lot. <laughs> try. No, i try to use this voice. Yeah.
1: You know? <laughs> and just coax it along, you
2: know. Yeah, that was a beautiful
1: Kind of afternoon. It was exciting. We were breathless really after it, too, don't you?
2: Yeah, it's incredibly thrilling to. I mean, a shoot day, many ways, you have a, a very clear plan and you know exactly what you want to do, and hopefully you get to the end of the day and it's a bit better than you expected, but you did everything. Whereas on that kind of afternoon, you really say, three of us are going to stand in this little space with just us and the camera and the horse. The horse and the. There's an incredible sense of unknown about where we're going to get to by the end the of the grass afternoon. And the leaves
1: coming down. I mean, mm. it's all sort of like, it was like being in the poetic moment, right? Yeah. Like just there. Nobody was shaking the trees and the leaves. There yeah. wasn't any prop people that just happened. Things just kept rolling out, really, in the most delicious, um, beautiful, soft ways. Like, you know, when your attention becomes deeper and uh, wider yeah it's mm. like developing awareness really isn't it A mm. um, different mm. feeling of awareness and and you know and that is really the work that we did was to change our awareness towards the film mm. um by all the thinking we did about it all the um marinating ourselves and other people's cinematography we loved and then and then just letting it letting ourselves react to the scene as each scene as they came you know because you can't yeah. stick to plans when they you know, you, you feel it in your gut, right, after a while. Yeah, it's, you know, it's gut work.
2: Um, I don't know, I also really in that moment appreciated a kind of innocence of filmmaking that, that we, I don't know if you've experienced this back at film school, it's really just you and a friend and a <laughs> yes. camera and someone in <laughs> front of you and, and if you need to move the bit of grass you go and do it with your own hand and there's no one else telling you or yeah it's it's just a really it's intimate very calm as well it is, you don't
1: have in that hurry sort of feeling of people watching you doing stuff yeah yeah <laughs> it's a uh,
2: it's a i think it's an experience that a lot of filmmakers would love to recreate i don't know the filmmakers i work with anyway well i spoke that, to
1: yeah. greg mm, Fraser, amazing. who yeah. i did bright star with and he was a mentor for you really, yeah yeah uh, you know saying like wow you guys did some killer work on june hmm and he kept. He said to me, "Well, you know, the stuff we really loved doing was when nine of us was in the were in the desert. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, filming characters, and you know, it's funny to say. Yeah, that I think it's that intimacy um, where you know you you're relaxed enough that something new can happen.
2: Because
1: mm. you've got the tension of the whole set, it's pretty." I don't know. if many new things really happen. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> we have to put a lot of effort into forgetting that that all these people they're waiting for you. You're pretty intensely self-conscious too. So are right. uh, you? Uh, yeah. I try. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to have, the the energy of that many people is it's yeah. pretty hard to tune out. Each I, one makes a little difference.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Even as sweet as I were and as, as oh, you yeah. know,
2: supportive.
0: Yeah. Mm yeah i mean it sounds wonderful and then i just immediately think of how traumatic it must have been you know when you know with covid coming and then you have to break apart all of this and then come back together again i mean you ended up shooting you had like three weeks to shoot
2: More like five
1: weeks, really oh yeah five or four i mean i don't i think we came back four weeks work didn't
2: we yeah we'd finished yeah. all our exteriors and we were yeah. we'd just moved into studio we,
1: um, we were lucky to have Got through the dinner scene Mm, because we had actors from America, like Francis Conroy, and another elderly actor, Peter and Keith. Yeah, Keith Carradine, and you know, like they were able to fly home, and we didn't need them back again.
2: Yeah,
1: (laughs) we we could have shot some more stuff with the old lady, et cetera, but in the end, we didn't feel we needed to. Um, But it was it was traumatic because nobody knew what was happening in the world, or whether this was the end. You know, I mean, I felt really
2: apocalyptic. It as was, well, yeah
1: it was really popular especially the way it was expressed in New Zealand where everybody mm-hmm. just had to in 48 hours you have to go to your home it
2: was literally like and shelter gonna... in
1: place for us
2: <laughs> eight weeks a text like, message that said wherever you are tonight is where you'll be for the next eight weeks <laughs> it was like, oh.
1: oh my god yeah, I know out. and you know we were all in the wrong place so <laughs> <we're> like, ah, <laughs> home. and and yeah I just I mean I was cody keeps describing myself to me <laughs> he always says "Oh, jane you were really cut up about that I, I had in my mind that i wasn't that cut up but he, he says i was and then oh jane when you came back you were so much better <laughs> i think we definitely were
2: refreshed but there was a there was a real we popularity. worked together
1: quite a bit before remember when you were two weeks in mm. quarantine and Every yeah, day do. we would zoom some complicated Zoom FaceTime yeah. <laughs> thing. Well, not Zoom, but we would go through what we had to shoot. And it just felt like, I mean, I love having the opportunity to think and plan and to mm. improve things and do things as well as you can. And also know in the end you're going to dump everything and go on your gut, you know.
2: Yeah. But mm. if, you,
1: if you don't educate your intuition, you can't do that. And so, I mean, art school we you know we always talked about like the intuition but the intuition needs educating Mm. it's not just a static thing you know you you teach it you work on it yeah work on it it becomes um you know it's always got same similar qualities but it can be become a more delicate creature or you can teach it you know
0: yeah about you
1: know western and 925
2: (laughs) keep the really specific gut feeling yeah
0: yeah. Well, I mean, I think it just looks beautiful and, and just the quality of the light too just felt really distinctive. I, I guess uh, I, I should wrap up by asking the kind of traditional question for this podcast for each of you. What was the last movie that you saw?
2: I last saw um, The Lost Daughter, the, um, Maggie Gyllenhaal's film, which I really, um, really enjoyed um, the experience of watching and I think I something i realized by watching it um, i'm not sure if this was her intention <laughs> about it but um it's a lot of like conversation about the female gaze as a as a kind of thing and in a way i don't know i've never really engaged with that question hasn't really resonated with me but on this film i felt like what is the gaze other than like what you what interests you you look at what interests you and hmm. i really felt in that film what was kind of interesting was as a a female filmmaker and a female Cinematographer, and you've got Olivia's character and Dakota's character, and the you know, visually they're very different like, very different bodies. But for the filmmakers, like, the difference in their bodies was just like not that interesting. It wasn't the most interesting thing. There were so many more interesting like things going on. Yeah. yeah, well, they're not like they're yeah. different bodies, it's not really what the film's about. There's kind of uh, the the power dynamic and the history and there's so much more complexity going yeah. on than just what they look Women, like. Didn't yeah, like being a mother, women's energy together mm. and all that. Mm. Anyway, that that mm. that was kind of my takeaway. I mean, I love enjoying the film, but and then I, what I was thinking about it afterwards, like what did, really specifically did I enjoy about something really mm. interesting? I think I took away from that.
1: Mm. Um, my film I last saw was Titane by Julia Durkanau. Um who won the Palm d'Or and relieved me of my. <laughs> Your burden. <laughs> my burden yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I got to meet Julia in uh, Lyon and have dinner with her. And she's just, you know, such a superb, exciting um, filmmaker and thinker. And I had a, such an energized experience mm. watching the film, which is kind of like a beautiful crazy inventive clever Frankenstein love story fairy tale (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know let me just say the woman gets pregnant to a car so (laughs) 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 and yes it was invigorating really invigorating and you know could only come from someone who had allowed themselves to go deeply into their Mm, psyche you mm, know mm. in the way that I guess Mary Shelley did when she came up first with you know the idea of uh, Frankenstein. Oh wow! Yeah,
0: yeah. that reminds me. I Jane, you said that you did some dream work of, that sort of helped. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I didn't dream up that though. <laughs> Gotta give it to Julia. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, uh, we'll we'll bring it to, to a conclusion there. Thank you both so much for speaking with me. Uh, congratulations again on, on the film. Thanks, Nick. It was fun to talk to you. Yeah. Thanks, Nick. Thank you. You've been listening to the last thing I saw with your host Nicholas Rapold. If you like what you heard, please consider signing up at rapold.substack.com. Special thanks to the Minarets for the opening music from their song Montserrat. Thank you for listening.